Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, good morning, Portico. Great to be with you this morning, and I want to say a special welcome to all of you that are online, and I understand we have someone joining us from none of it, and great to have you here. Let's give a big hand to everybody around the world. Now, listen, before I get started here, we got to clear up some deep, deep held misconceptions. There were rumors that I was camping in the Muskokas last weekend. I have spies everywhere. And I understand that Pastor Rick said that Amitabh and I went camping in the Muskokas. That is not true. I have banished Rick to Milton for the next five years. Nothing like having good friends to help me out in ministry. Uh, we love them so much. But just, you know, I know sometimes humor doesn't always translate. And so some cultures go, really? They were only camping? We were praying for them. Why would we pray for those guys camping? No, 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 no. We were, we were over in India, and uh, we just got back in. In fact, got back in yesterday for this uh, worship celebration last night, which was amazing. And uh, those of you here that know, what a great night we had together. And so you got a little sample of that this morning. Hey, wouldn't you love to bottle whatever it is that Dwayne has, you know? Like, it's either a five Red Bull or something. i got to figure it out. That boy can jump and dance like crazy. So I may need a little bit of that, you know, a little bit of jet lag we're coming through. Now, just to qualify, some of you don't believe, and I see Laura and Joe Ash. You guys were in India too. You awake yet? Good. The two of us together will sleep through the service. So I cannot be held responsible for what I say today. But anyhow, just so you know, we were there. I got a few pictures I want to share with you. Let's go to the screen real quick here. And here's a shot. That's me melting on the left-hand side of the screen. We're talking, you know, 46, 47 degrees. So in case you were wondering what the temperatures were. And uh, we were together on the right-hand side. There are some individuals here that are uh, friends of ours that we've met. They're serving in India. They have educational visas and just sharing the love of Jesus and using education as a vehicle and wonderful time. And Amitabh is checking out the guy's hat. I think he wants the hat. That's what that photo tells me. All right, number two. Let's go to the second picture. Here is a shot. We had a chance in Kolkata to visit some of the schools and amazing men and women, husbands and wives that are uh, in the slums running schools for children and then teaching the ladies how to sew and create sustainable income so that they can support themselves and the family. Some of the sewing machines that are there, that was a picture that we took in one of those shots. Another one here. Let's go to the next picture. Uh, Here's a picture. We're up in the area, uh, up in North India. And this is right on the Ganges River, and many of those from the Hindu background will come down for their worship at the river at the end of the day. And so we were there during that part of their festivities, and just people and heat and crowds. And another shot, next slide, shares a little bit more. Uh, You can see what takes place. Deep, deep spiritual values and searching taking place. And so we just pray, pray for India. Great land of opportunity. Another picture that we can go to here. Uh, Yes, I did go to the Taj Mahal. Yes, I am melting even more. This is in Agra. It was hot. I said, I told my son, I said, you know when it's hot, when your shin sweats through your pant leg, there's nothing to sweat down there. And I said, but it does when you're in India. It's amazing. But uh, phenomenal sight to visit. Been able to be there. Next picture. 
this is uh, four of us that were there. The two in the center, of course, are friends that we met while we're over there, and they're serving. So that's Lonnie in the red shirt, and that's his son, Jojo. So keep them in prayer. God is using them powerfully in some very powerful ways in that country. And another picture I want to show today, this is uh, a little lady by the name of Priya. She is a valiant, valiant soldier for Christ. She lives in the red light district in Kolkata. She's a trained professional doctor who has given up her practice to rescue the women from the red light district. She has rescued 55. She has baptized seven to become followers of Jesus Christ. Yeah, amazing. She has, uh, not only that, she has created sustainable employment opportunities for these ladies, so they're making incomes, they're raising their families, and her, she is five floors, packed that thing out, she needs more space, and that's, she's facing challenges, and so we'll see what we can do to help her, but God's given her such a call, and uh, we just wanted to share that picture with you, and I just, I was in the presence of greatness, and so I asked if I could have her picture to come back, so not the Muskokas, definitely over in India. All right, we're all good. So anyhow, thank you for your prayers. We really do appreciate it, and it's good to be back on the ground. We missed church last Sunday. I was preaching. I was in Faridabad preaching in a, in a Hindi service first and then into the English service second, and Pastor Amitabh shared his testimony. At the end of the service, the Hindi service, what they do is they reach out into the slums and they do education. And they help uh, train and raise the kids up, and they'll do after-school programs. And then the mothers are invited, the parents are invited to come back to a big celebration event at the church, and they'll often come on the Sunday to see what the big event is. And in that service, as we finished and we wrapped up, and I finished preaching at the end of the message, and the altar call was given, 17 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ, which is huge. That's huge in that world. So God's doing great work. It is a challenging country. You've probably heard in the news. But, uh, you know, the mandate is that they will force Christianity out. They're going to force out Islam. And by 2021, uh, have the whole country buttoned right back down into Hinduism. And so the government has a very, very intentional agenda. So let's pray that God would continue to work with our, our workers that are there and encourage them and support them. And thank you so much for your prayers. All right, well, let's jump in. We're going to get going today. And uh, we are in a series. It's called Moses and Scripta. Get your Bible. Out, you can download the app, follow along, you can take notes. We're in season two and we're in episode four. And this is, a, this is a message that I've been looking forward to sharing with you because it's an event in the life of Moses that takes place. It's a rather unusual event, and it's when his father in law comes for a visit. How many of you look forward to when your in laws come to visit you? We're in church. All right, that would, that would speak for the absence of hands in the room. Okay. So you get this note that in-laws are coming to visit. You know, in-laws have a way of doing things, don't they? They can come into your house. They can just stand there. They can sort of cross their arms and go, hmm. They don't have to say anything else. And immediately you're going, hmm, what? What does that mean? What did I not do? Did I clean right? Did I not decorate right? In-laws just have this way. Now, we all love our in-laws, don't we? Oh, 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 oh. People, I want to go to heaven with you. We should have said yes at that point. We all love our in-laws, don't we? Yes, we do. We love our in-laws, but we just know there's these little reality moments. Why do I raise that? Because, you know, we read a text like Exodus chapter 18, and it says, and Moses' father-in-law is coming to visit him. We go, so what's the big deal? His dad is coming. His father-in-law is coming to visit. Well, think about your in-laws when they come to visit. Now, we do know that Moses had sent his wife and his two kids back to live with his father-in-law while he's leading Israel out of Egypt. Now, think about this. He's led Israel out of Egypt, and that was no small feat. 
not just with the Egyptians and pharaohs and, you know, the Red Sea and all of that, but now he's got this group of people that are just less than appreciative of all that's taken place. They barely get through the water. And the first thing they get to the other side, you know, Pastor Joe, by the way, you know, Pastor Joe sends his greetings. He sent me a text this morning. He's in a lot on the Red Sea in a resort. He's trying to compare his suffering for Jesus with mine. Don't pray for Joe. All right? Send him text messages, Facebook messages, whatever you want. But pray for his safety, bring him back home. They do send their greetings as well. But, so here you have this moment where Moses has let all of these people out, gets them across the Red Sea, and what do they do? They finish a worship, worship service, kind of like last night, and the very next day they're going, there's no water. We're thirsty. Why did you bring us out here to die? Moses, what were you thinking? There's no food. We're hungry. Have you ever traveled with people? You know how irritating that gets? Again, don't raise your hand. But not with Amitabh, by the way. I just better qualify that real quickly. We spent 12 days together, and it was a great trip. Good friend. But here he's leading this group of people, and they got this murmuring and grumbling and complaining. There's no food. There's no water. You know, look what you did with the Egyptians. And now we're in a wilderness. We don't know where we're going. We don't even know what destination we're headed towards. You said a promised land, and this is a pathetic land. What are you doing to us? And in the middle of it, Moses gets word that his father-in-law is coming to visit So we're going to pick up the story because there's something unique about this story that reflects on the caliber of the types of relationships that I pray you will have in your life as I will have in mine. Because it's not just about the cliche humor that we use when it comes to in-laws. It's about this beautiful facet of relationship that Jethro, his father-in-law, presents to his son-in-law. And it's in this moment of interaction between the two of them that I want to share with you some of the features that I believe all of us, some of the characteristics all of us should have in our relationships. And so I pray by the time that we wrap up today, there will be a new commitment in your heart and in your spirit to say, I am going to be that kind of a person, and I'm going to surround myself with those kind of people. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Exodus chapter 18 so we can read together and let's get the context of the story. It reads this in verse 1. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything that God had done for Moses and for his people Israel and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And after Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer, for he said, My father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. And Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons. And so Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and he bowed down and he kissed him. And they greeted each other, and they went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh, the Egyptians, for Israel's sake, and about all the hardships that they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. And Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things that God had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. Get your notes out. Let me share a couple of thoughts with you this morning as we take it away. I really believe the facet of what Jethro does for Moses can change the nature of our own relationships. So let me talk to you about healthy relationships, particularly from a father-in-law to a son-in-law. Three characteristics. Number one, healthy relationships should have the ability to inspire and encourage you. 
True, genuine, healthy relationships should be able to reach into our life, lift us up, bring inspiration and encouragement in levels of our life that we just need. Moses was tired. He was depleted. This man was leading on empty. You, you can't even begin to appreciate. If you've led a class of kindergartens, you understand the relentless questioning and challenges that go along with that. Now to take an entire nation of people that are dependent upon their very survival to you. And Moses takes it personally. He's not this extroverted personality that's always out there. This is a man that loved being in the wilderness. This is a man that understood and appreciated the solitude and the sanctity that came with that. And God thrusts him to the front of leadership and in this role. And this could be a mom. This could be a dad. This could be a school teacher. This could be a business leader or a boss. You're placed into roles of leadership where the constant, incessant demands on your life become weary and draining. And here we see Jethro, and the very first thing that he does is he meets with Moses. They go into the tent. They sit down. And Moses begins to share everything. And I love this. He doesn't hold anything back. He talks about the good things that God had done. And the Bible says he talked about the hardships. And in the middle of this, as Jethro is listening to him, he begins to inspire and to build him up. And Moses needed the opportunity to give a fresh perspective on his journey. There are moments that we have that are like that, aren't there? There are moments when we're so overwhelmed and inundated in our own personal worlds and our own challenges, be it our finances or our health or our education or our work, whatever it is, that we just need someone we can talk to that knows how to inspire and encourage. Now, question, who's that person for you? Who are those people in your life? The other side of the coin to that question is, for whom... Are you that person? See, friends, don't miss this. This is powerful. We miss and we lose out on one of the best gifts that God gives us in relationship, that we have the ability to be a source of inspiration and encouragement to one another. But so often we're takers, not givers. And yet what Jethro does is Jethro gives freely to Moses. He gives him opportunity to talk openly, share candidly. Tell me about your joys. Tell me about your frustrations. Tell me why you want to send those people back to, to Egypt. It didn't matter to him. He was so vested in his son-in-law, he wanted what was going to be best for Moses, and he allows Moses just to speak. And so as he summarizes, listen to this. This is Jethro's summary after listening to Moses. Chapter 18, verses 10 to 12. Jethro says, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh. And who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. He celebrates. He celebrates what God has done in Moses' life. How often we just need that person in our life that will come alongside of us and go, Good job. Way to go. I'm so glad that you're growing in your faith. I, I'm so glad that you're expanding your educational capacities. I'm so glad that you're finding your own gifts and you're using them in such creative ways. Here's what I know to be true. We live in such a challenging world. We feel like we get beat up all the time, that people are always dragging us down and we're always faced with negative news and criticism. And we long for, we're looking for the words of individuals that can build us up and inspire us. How many friends do you have in your life? How many really, really close friends? Think about that just for a moment. Think carefully. 
Now, I'm not talking about the social network kind, right? So I did a quick check. I went back and I looked. I thought, oh, I should check Facebook. Hey, I'm at 953 right now. I don't know who they are, but I'm at 953. It's amazing. Well, I know some of you. I qualify that. But, you know, we go our LinkedIn and our Instagram and our um, Facebook accounts. We see all of those connections that we have. And, oh, look at me. And we have all those big numbers out there. But it's interesting, according to sociologists in their research, 20 years ago, when they surveyed our North American population, particularly in the U.S. and Canada, what they discovered is that the majority of us had at the most four friends that we could classify as people that could get within our inner circle. In the last 20 years, that number has actually dwindled to just under two. That means, in spite of all of our social connections, in spite of all of the, uh, the media and electronic uh, technology that we have, we have more limited friends now than we've had in the past. So I ask again, who's your friend? And for whom are you a friend? You know, not the person that puts the quick post up on Facebook or says, hey, look what I was doing. You know, you got those friends that tell you everything about their day, but they tell you nothing about their life. Isn't that true? And so here we are, Jethro steps in, he goes, Moses, tell me about your life. Don't, don't give me the Twitter account. Give me the honest account. Tell me what made you mad. Tell me what fulfilled you. Tell me what made you happy. Tell me what God did in your life. And I love, there's a little verse of scripture in there that is often overlooked. It says that Jethro listened to Moses. One of the best gifts we give to people is a listening ear. We're so busy talking and communicating that nobody has anybody to listen anymore. And one of the best gifts that we can give is the moment of silence where somebody else just gets to unload their heart. It's one of the reasons we promote our growth groups so strongly. They're not just accountability groups. It's a place where you can express what's going on in your world, and people will be there to listen to you and to allow you to talk and then to be able to pray with you and support you. Can you imagine what that must have been like for Moses? When Jethro goes, no, just go ahead and talk. Moses, share with me. I'm not going to criticize. I'm not going to critique. I'm, I'm just, I want to listen to know what's going on in your world. And that's one of the greatest gifts, Proverbs 18, 24. It says, friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. A real friend is going to be there in your time of need. They're going to tune into your circumstances and into your world. And I use this on both sides because not only are we craving that because we know that they've already, the research has proven that we don't have enough friends, but then conversely, that means that we're not being the caliber of friend that perhaps those closest to us truly need. And I think we could all just take a moment and reflect on that and go, it's true. I need to learn how to be a listening friend. I need to learn how to be available to people. Proverbs 17, 17, it says this, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. Isn't that good? That means if you need $10,000, you should call your brother today. That may not be the right interpretation of that scripture, but I have jet lag, so I'm going to leave it right there. How's that? But when it comes to who is that person in your life, you know, I can, sh- I can share this openly with you in the room because of our relationship, but my closest friend and confidant is my wife, Laura. She's not just my wife. I didn't just marry her so we have this relationship. I'm earning all kinds of credit right now. This is really good, you know, because you know sometimes I go home and it's like, oh, I'm going to pay for this one. So today, honey, I'm building right back in. 
But I said it in the first service. You can check. Um, but we have our relationship, what I have so appreciated about our relationship. We're married 35 years this year. And our relationship together. Yeah, clap for her. Anybody can put up with this guy for 35 years, man, you deserve a round of applause. But what I so appreciate about it is uh, she knows how to read my day. She knows whether just to listen or sometimes to talk, sometimes just to pray. And I can go on a trip like I just went on, and I know that she's praying. And it's just that I think in our marriages, our partner should be our best friend and confident. Amen? Wow, I gave you a gift in the room. Some of you men are going to pay for that when you get out of this room. You should have got up on your feet and go, oh, amen, Doug. Do you need another shot at that? Too late. Moving on. All right, number two, healthy relationships. Here we go. What did Jethro provide? Number two, healthy relationships can provide an unbiased perspective. They not only listen, but when they do respond, they give a very unbiased perspective of the situation and circumstances that you're facing. Now, there's an expression that we use in our English language, an idiom that we have, and sometimes if English isn't your first language, you might lose the translation here. But when we become too involved in the details or the circumstances of our life or our situation, we'll often use a phrase, you can't see the forest for the... All right, you got it. You can't see the forest for the trees. And people go, that doesn't make any sense. There's forests and trees. They all go together. What it means is you're so ingrained, you're so involved in the situation, all you can see is the immediate trees in front of you, the problems. You can't gain a larger background or a higher perspective to see the big forest. And all of us go through difficulties in our life where we are so engaged in the immediate challenge of the circumstance. How am I ever going to get out of this? How am I going to work my way through this? We just can't see a solution because we're just day-to-day, day-to-day, we're in and out working at this. And yet what Jethro does is he steps into Moses' world and Moses is going, man, alive, the people are grumbling, they're thirsty, they're hungry, and then we got attacked. We got attacked by the Amalekites. What's that all about? God said, lead my people. And then these people come along and attack us. And Moses is able to provide this unbiased perspective. He's able to go, Moses, just a minute. I praise God with you because I see how the hand of the Lord is at work in your life. Friends, do you notice this? Even when challenge and difficulty and problems are prevalent, those who have an unbiased perspective go, hey, don't, don't focus on the challenges Focus on the God who reigns over your challenges. Moses, don't miss this. I want to worship with you because God is at work in your life. And friend, that's true for you today. You need friends around you that when your world feels like it's imploding and you're just breaking down under the burden and the weight of it, that they lift you up and they build you up. Some of you get devastating health news. And you begin to spiral out of control. And that's natural because fear and uncertainty and anxiety and your future is all in question. But you need good friends that can step into the middle of this and go, listen, just a minute. The God who is with you before that report is the God who will be with you through and beyond that report. That's the kind of God we serve. So Jethro shows me the kind of healthy relationship, and it brings back a question to me, and I hope to you. Who are the friends in my life, in your life, that provide that unbiased perspective. They get the big 30,000 overview that they can speak accurately into our worlds. And for whom are we the people that we're providing that? 
Again, that's one of the most needed features that people have in relationships today is someone that could be a trusted confidant that could speak into their life. Now, watch carefully. There's a huge difference between critiquing and criticizing. See, Jethro didn't criticize Moses. Critiquing is when you take and you look at the big picture, you give an overview, and even if your summation is not a favorable summation, you've done so with the proper research and investigation to give an accurate portrayal of the condition. Critiquing can be healthy. Criticizing can be devastating. Criticizing is just finding fault and finding failure. And yet Jethro comes in and he looks at the circumstance and in a very unbiased way, he offers some insight to Moses. Now, if your Bibles are open, it's not in the screen, it's not in your notes. It'll be in your Bibles, Exodus 18, verse 13. Watch what takes place. The Bible says the next day, this is after they met, the next day Moses takes his seat to serve as judge for the people and the people stood around him from morning until evening. Wow. So he's met with his father-in-law, had a great meal, celebrated, told all about his history. Early in the morning, he gets up and he goes outside. And suddenly, a million and a half, two million people, people start to stream out of the crowd. They start to come, Moses, Moses, I got an issue. Moses, I have a complaint. He's the director of the complaints department. Moses, I have a question about where we're going. He's the director of information. Moses, I'm not sure about God. He's the guru, the spiritual advisor. So people are coming to him, and Moses is one person, and all day long he's answering these questions, and it's just relentless. And Jethro is sitting on the sidelines, and he's watching this continuous stream of people go back and forth. And he finally offers this. And look at Exodus 18, 14. It's in your notes. We'll put it on the screen. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit as alone as a judge with all these people standing around from morning until evening? And then if you drop down to verse 17, he said, what you're doing is not good. He was able to assess immediately, Moses, I know you're the leader, but this isn't good for you, and this isn't good for the people. You're just months into this journey, and if you're going to lead them to Canaan, you're going to burn yourself out. You're leading on empty, and you're going to be a wasted leader, and they're not going to get the support and solutions that they need. One person cannot possibly provide all the support that's necessary. Friends, that's why healthy relationships will always provide an unbiased perspective. They will bring insight that maybe we just can't see because we're so close to our own problems. Proverbs 27, verse 6, it says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy will multiply kisses. In other words, they'll just shower you with good report and favor, but they won't tell you the truth. But the Bible says that a friend will wound you, not to hurt you, but to help you. They'll tell you the honest observation that they have. Let me illustrate. Jesus had a moment with his disciples, and some of you, if you're on the journey to faith, you may not know the story yet. So I'll give you the background. Those of you that are followers of Jesus, you'll know the story. But there's an account where Jesus was with his disciples, and if you recall, he turns to them because of his public popular opinion, and he goes, hey, guys, whom do people say that I am? And in that moment, the disciples are all like, oh, uh, what were the common report responses? And people go, well, some of them think maybe that you're Elijah, and some think you're a good rabbi, and you're a good teacher. And then Jesus flips the question on them, and he goes, who do you say I am? Do you remember what Peter said? Peter said, you are the, you are the Christ. And it's kind of a reluctant church today. I have jet lag, not you. 
So you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus goes, blessed are you, Peter, because you didn't get this on your own. My Father in heaven revealed it to you. So you know what Peter did, right? He turns to the other 11 and goes, check that out. I got it, not you guys. He was feeling pretty good about that. So the guys are all going, well, way to go, Peter. The guy gets out of the boat, the guy that gets the kudos. All right, here you are. So anyhow, Peter's feeling really good. And then Jesus continues and he goes, oh, by the way, I'm headed to Jerusalem where I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of men and they're going to crucify me. And Peter immediately goes, never, Lord. Never will that happen. Not on my watch that's not going to happen. And Jesus immediately turns towards Peter and he says, get behind me. Oh, you all know that one. I think we've used that once or twice, maybe at home, right? Get behind me, Satan. And you go, whoa, we, we break the stories apart. Peter was just in the midst of elation because he had been revealed by the Father that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ of the living, the Son of the living God. And now he's being rebuked by Jesus and he's called Satan. Talk about a crash and burn moment. But Jesus wasn't criticizing him. He was wounding him with love. He was saying, Peter, you have in mind the things of man, not the things of God. What you want is you want to protect me from harm because you want this to continue the way that it is because you're enjoying this for what it's providing for you, but you don't understand. I need to suffer at the hands of men so that I can perform the mission of God that all people might have access to salvation and relationship with the Heavenly Father. So the wounds of a friend can be trusted. See, friends will provide this unbiased perspective. And Jesus was very clear and he was very candid with Peter in that moment. Ephesians 4.15, we'll put it on the screen for you. It says that we are to, what? Speak the truth in, what's the word? Love. And I, can I share with you over and over and over? I watch parents speak truth and no love. I watch spouses speak truth and no love. And the absence of love will destroy the relationship. But the Bible says if you speak truth and it's couched in love, what do we do? We heal, we build, we restore. That means we think before speaking because we're concerned about the implications of the statement and what it's going to do for the person. Are you following me? So when we're, we're tracking in this moment here, Jethro spoke truth in love. He could have just said, Moses, what are you doing? That's crazy. You're going to ruin your life this way. Just stop doing it. But his concern was both for the people of Israel and for his son-in-law and for his daughter and for his grandchildren because we know our work affects our lives. They affect our families. So he speaks truth and love, and I think all of us together can learn that we need to have friends in our lives who will speak from an unbiased perspective, but make sure your friends speak truth in love. Because some people love to just speak. But you need the people who know how to couch it in love so that that will build you up. The Bible says we're to love one another, encourage one another, build one another up, pray for one another. All the one another statements, what are those about? Those are about that, that fabric of love that brings us all together. Amazing man Jethro was. Great qualities. So the question comes back to us, am I the kind of friend 
that others know that I'll give an unbiased perspective, and when I do speak, I speak in love? And do I have people in my life that will do the same? All right, real quickly, number three. Let's take it away. Number three, healthy relationships should serve as a source of wisdom and protection. Healthy relationships should serve as a source of wisdom and protection. Jethro was so deeply vested into the story that he offers some incredible insight and counsel to Moses. So in Exodus chapter 18, what Jethro does is said, Moses, you need to divide the people up. You need to appoint leaders over the tens and the hundreds and the thousands. You need to break this down into a leadership hierarchy that will allow you to hear the most important cases and allow others and invest into them leadership responsibility that they can supervise and help you with that. Share the responsibility. Share the leadership role. And I love how Jethro states it. Look at verse uh, 24 to 26. Moses listened to his father-in-law, and he did everything that he said. So he chose capable men from all Israel, and he made them leaders over all of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. And the difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided for themselves. Now, again, there's one little verse in here. And it's verse 23. It's not in your notes, but it's there in the Bible. And when Jethro gave Moses this instruction, he goes, here's my counsel. Set it up. Thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. He goes, so I'm going to offer the suggestion to you. But then he goes, and ask God about this. Pray about my counsel. Don't just blindly follow me. I want to give you some advice, but take the advice and then pray about it and make sure that this advice resonates with the Spirit of the Lord and put it into practice. Friends, there's good truth right here, that the counsel of a friend can be trusted but should always be saturated and immersed in prayer because you want to know what God's direction is in that counsel. Amen? So when you listen to your friends and you gain good advice, Jethro was wise enough to know, I can see a solution, I can see a pathway forward, but I want you to make sure that you know you've heard from God on this journey. That's one of the beautiful parts of what it is to raise kids. You know, I was uh, preparing for this message, and I, I love Mark Twain. There's a little quote, and I want to share it with you. It just talks about his own dad. He said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. He said, but when I turned to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had grown in seven years. Isn't that true? Like, we're 10 years old. Our parents are like, whoa, they're amazing. They can tell you why the sky is blue. I think they always made it up. But they can tell you answers to every question you have. Then you turn 15, 16. Isn't it amazing how our parents lost their minds? And that's now it's not till about 30 that you finally realize, whoa, mom and dad are pretty smart people. I want to go back and start all over at 10. Anybody with me on the journey so far? Yeah, we lose this. And so... Here we have that healthy relationships have this opportunity to provide this wisdom and protection, and our parents should be the people in our lives that do that. One of the things that, you know, Laura and I have always done with our son Kyle is we've always wanted him to, we've got his back. If he feels like there's a direction he wants to go, we'll cover him, we'll protect him, we'll give wisdom into that situation, but he knows I'm going to ask him a question, particularly on big questions. Have you heard God on this? Did God speak to you about this? 
Because I believe God wants to speak to every one of us and our life directions. He will speak into those moments. And that's the type of people we want around us. I want to know that the people that are pouring into my life and I want the people pouring into your life are the people that will give wisdom and protection to you. Proverbs 1 verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools will despise wisdom and destruction. Wisdom is a gift and protection is a gift that comes from healthy relationships. So Jethro steps into Moses' world, catches a man in the middle of one of the biggest moments in his life, and he goes, Moses, stay in this for the long haul, but be healthy in your journey. Include leaders with you. Learn how to find healthy life rhythms. And that wisdom gave great protection to Moses. So what about your life? I go back to this because that statistic I shared with you is a little unsettling, that most of us don't even have two good friends that we could turn to and open our lives up to and allow them to speak into our lives. So my prayer is that as we learn from Jethro that we would become the people that would be the kind of friends, the healthy relationships that other people need in their lives and that you will find people, godly men and women, who will become the kind of relationship you need in your life as well. Amen? So Jethro is someone to emulate and someone to learn from. Well, before we dismiss this morning, would you stand to your feet in the room? I think one of the best ways for us to apply all that we have learned together today is to take a moment and really set the basis for all relationships And the best relationship we can have, we know, it's when we place our life into the hands of Jesus Christ. We trust him. And many of you have already done that. He's your Lord, your Savior, director. And if you haven't done that, you're on that journey. We invite you to say yes to Jesus. He will be a friend closer than any you've ever known. He'll forgive our sins. He already has. And he invites us into that relationship. But that relationship is dependent upon us as well, saying, I choose to walk in the wisdom and the knowledge of him. So here's a verse. A couple of verses we'll put on the screen. It's found in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I would love for us to do a reciprocal reading, reading together today. So would you read with me as we follow the Lord? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Look at those words. Trust, lean in, submit, and he will make it happen. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for all listening online, for everybody that is here in the room, may we be the people that not only have this relationship with you, but that we would have the blessing and the benefit of having close personal friendships and relationships like Jethro and Moses shared. Relationships that would speak into our worlds, they would build us up, they would give us an unbiased perspective, they would surround us with wisdom. And I pray in our life that we would also be the kind of people that would give this gift to others. And together, we will make your name great. And I pray it in Christ's name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated.